What's up, this Shaq Bear, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast, and this is the 28th episode of Season 2. Today, we're going to be talking about fantasy football injuries, talking about Saquon's ACL, Antonio Gibson's turf toe, Calvin Ridley's foot surgery, Michael Thomas's ankle, and how those injuries should shape their draft price. Joining me to break this all down, because I am in no way, shape, or form a doctor, is a man who is, as a rookie fantasy injury analyst in 2019 analyzed and projected over 150 different injury situations with 80 percent accuracy as a member of the fantasy points team he is a doctor of physical therapy and just accepted his first post-residency job with over 9,000 followers on twitter he is dr edwin porus what's going on edwin Alex, you're one of the good guys, man. You are, I can tell just by, I could get, we literally just met five minutes ago. I can tell you're enthusiastic, you're excited. I like you, man. I like your vibe. I appreciate you reading that. I forgot that was even up. I think that's on my podcast, right? I need to take that Some, down. I need to change that. I, don't I can't, can't reveal my sources even though you want to <laughs> I appreciate you having me on, man. I, I love talking this stuff. I love talking about uh, injuries, injury situations. So I'm ready. I'm excited, man. Me too. No, I really appreciate it. Like you said, you you love talking about it. I love hearing about it because, again, I am in no way, shape, or form a doctor or anything like that. So getting to hear people talk about that kind of stuff I think is so cool. And it's probably cool from your position to be able to kind of teach that to other people that have no idea and how it relates to something as silly as fantasy football is just so awesome. Before we get into it. We were just talking a little bit post, like before the show, about how like how long you've been doing this. So you just accepted your first pers- your first residency job last Thursday. Like, how long has that taken you? Did you always want to do this growing up? And like, how excited or scared are you at this point for like everything going forward? Yes, yeah, that's a good question, man. So to answer your question right away, it took me personally nine years to do this because, wow. as I was telling you. I was so competitive that the first time I applied, I didn't get in. I had to reapply. So I had a gap year where I worked. And then I went to PT, to PT school, which is graduate school, physical therapy school. It's three is three-year doctorate program. And then this last year of residency training, I'm a full-functioning, full-fledging clinician. But basically, I have a, a more experienced clinician with like a bunch of letters behind their name, watching every decision I make, scrutinizing every decision I make. It's, wow. it's a lot of fun. Trust me. Um, sometimes it's not so fun. But you learn a ton. I've learned a lot. I've probably already forgotten half of what I've learned. But the whole point, that's the whole point of residency is to teach you how to be better and suck less at what we do. Yep. Um, so it's 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 been fun, man. I appreciate you asking. And it's interesting to me because I don't take myself seriously on Twitter a lot. I've had a lot of people come at me and be like, you need to act like a doctor on Twitter, which is hilarious <laughs> to me. Um, if only I could explain exactly how serious I don't take Twitter in fantasy football. Like I care to the extent where I want to give accurate analysis obviously but my job matters so much more to me than like did you start james did i tell you to start james connor or not (laughs) Uh, my job and like taking care of patients and being good at taking care of patients and and not sucking at taking care of taking care of patients is like my number one priority uh, obviously aside from my wife my family so that's the perspective i'm coming at so when you say have you always wanted to do this i I can't lie. I'm not going to lie and say, yeah, I've always known I wanted to do this. But as I progressed through PT school, I was like, yeah, I want to suck less at this. So I do want to uh, pursue an orthopedic residency. And that's the way that I personally thought that I could suck less at what I do. Um, so yeah, man, that's sort of my story. 
And now here I am talking fake football with you. So I know. I've, I've prepared nine years to sit down with Alex Caruso <laughs> and talk about Saquon Barkley's ACL. I appreciate that. That is wonderful. But before, yeah, I mean, like with Saquon's ACL, I mean, let's jump right into it. So, I mean, again, everyone on Twitter thinks they're a doctor. Everyone on Twitter thinks they're Dr. Edwin Porras and can give 80 plus percent injury analysis and accuracy. So, are the are the injury doctors right? Like, what would you say? Because I think the thing is, like, people could say, okay, he can recover, but like, how well do you expect him to perform? And please give me all of it. How likely is he to perform at a full level this year? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, the best way to get the full comprehensive breakdown. Yeah. Quick plug here. All my stuff, written stuff, is over at fantasypoints.com. That I wrote the medical case for Saquon Barkley. Right. It's this huge, like two thousand plus word piece where I break down and I try to stay as objective as possible. This is how he fails. This is how you know historically what we've seen with ACLs. So essentially, you have Saquon Barkley. He tore his ACL in week two. By the time the season starts, it's going to be, I have her in front of me. I think it's about 10 months, 10 months, 13 days. Okay. The average return to play for players coming off an ACL is roughly, depending on the severity and the condition and everything is between nine, 10 months. So for a running back, it's going to be important for him to get back his burst, his, his motor control, his lateral agility, everything that a running back has to plant cut do is pretty intense. So that's hard to do. However, there is this study that this medical study, right? This isn't like some random dude in his basement, AKA me doing this study, right? There's this, this 27 year long study by two surgeons who put it together and they only performed ACL surgeries on NFL players. What they found was that if a player returns to their previous level of performance, in other words, if they returned, if their practice squad, they returned to the practice squad. If they were starters, they returned to the starters to being starters. They found a certain set of criteria that were common among people who were players who were able to return to that level, to their same level or better. So that those criteria, the first one was an age younger than 25. And if they were an offensive player, so defensive players have a harder time coming back from these uh, and dra- NFL draft capital. So not fantasy draft capital, NFL draft capital. If they were drafted between rounds one and four, they had a higher chance than anybody drafted later to come back from an ACL injury and perform at those levels. Okay, well, Saquon Barkley checks all those boxes, right? So then you go on and you talk about his specific athleticism. His draft capital is top tier. He's one of the best offensive players, you know, regardless if you want to stay running backs matter or not, whatever. Uh, he's one of the best offensive players in the NFL. And he was super young. He's still super young when he had this tear. There is no reason why the rules of what typically what other, other PTs and other medical providers will tell you there, there are just so many factors that are working in his favor and not against him, right? So the, the opposite um, argument, right, which a lot of my colleagues have talked to me on Twitter about, which I totally get, uh, Jeff Mueller is one of them. He makes great points like, hey, you do realize that outcomes after 18 months are better than they are after 12. Absolutely, after ACL injuries. Uh, you do realize that he's going to need his lateral agility to come back, and that's part of what the outcomes are, right? Yes, Absolutely. You do realize that their offensive line sucks. Okay, that's a that's a totally different situation that I can't necessarily <laughs> analyze. But in terms of his potential, can Saquon Barkley come back and perform at the level that he previously was? I say yes. In my opinion, is yes, because he's also had this freak athleticism. He has top-tier athleticism. He's more athletic, according to player profiler, uh, than Adrian Peterson. I know people love to make that comp. Athletically, though, he is slightly more athletic than Adrian Peterson. He's super young, and he had all of this strength going into the surgery. So the other thing that you talk about with this surgery 
is the fact that sometimes there are people who are not necessarily professional athletes, but this idea of copers. You can actually play, continue to play your sport if you have a partial ACL tear and you do some rehab. Now you are very, it's a very, very specific subgroup of patients. And, and essentially what it comes down to is that their tear isn't that severe and they pass this, they're still able to do their athletic events and then they rehab. So if Saquon Barkley had, I'm not going to say he's a coper because obviously he's not, he had surgery, but he would check all the boxes for somebody that if you would check and say, Hmm, maybe we can rehab this. And he actually did do rehab for his MCL specifically prior to the ACL surgery. So he was still on some level doing some level of act of physical activity exercise, which tells you just the ridiculous amount of like strength and stability in his knee. So I know that I've went on and on and yeah. on. So that's, that's, that's how he can succeed. I'll let you intervene. Cause I just went on. Yeah, attention. no, no, no worries. I think like one of the things that I'd be curious to ask, and I've heard people talk about this and like, just to break down for people like me that wouldn't know is like, one of the things that you mentioned is freak athleticism. You obviously an ACL tears an ACL tears an ACL tear, but like when you're a freak athlete like him, does that help speed up recovery time or does that help returning back to their previous form because they're ultra athletic? So ostensibly, right? So in other words, you would think so. That's the reasoning. Okay. The more athletic you are and the higher your athletic reserve, the better off you're going to be from a recovery standpoint, because you have more tissue more muscle brain tissue connection. You have more strength to begin with. You're able to do the rehab at a higher level and you're, you sort of start a little bit ahead of the, of, of the starting line, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, so yeah. somebody compare Saquon to somebody like Tariq Cohen, who is much smaller, much smaller muscle mass, probably relative and absolute much, you know, less athletic. Uh, it's, it, it's very, it's a very different situation, a very different scenario. Okay. So this is, this is top tier athleticism. That's going to help him get through. Um, it's going to help him get through the rehab a little faster, ostensibly. It doesn't mean it will happen, but he's increasing his chances. And that's where I think people are tripping up with what I'm saying. I'm not guaranteeing this is going to happen. Yeah. And that's where I can get into sort of the, how does he fail? I'm not saying he's guaranteed that he's going to be back to the point that he was before, but I am saying that he checks all the boxes to actually to prove us wrong for us to turn around at the end okay. of 2021 and be like, wow, that was incredible. If there is an outlier, if there's an outlier on this planet right now to be able to do it, it would be Saquon Barkley. So like, how does he fail? Right. I also talk about that in this article. There, there are a few different ways, right? I, I know people like to talk about uh, running backs that have failed in the past, but there just hasn't been anybody of his caliber, but there are still things that can get to him. For example, like soft tissue injuries and, and complications because of swelling, there have been 21%. I, I wrote it down somewhere. That's 21% of skilled players since 2015 have suffered a soft tissue or knee complication during the season. It doesn't mean they miss time, but there are complications, right? Yeah. Workload management's a little different. Uh, the knee is still healing. Just like I mentioned earlier, the the ligamentation is what it's called. The the ligament integrating itself and actually becoming the ligament of that of that body part, it doesn't actually finish until about 18 months. So that's still going on. So he's got a lot going on. That, that can still cause him to fail. And that's really the one that you would worry about the most. Okay. Re-rupture only happens about 12% of the time in the NFL. It's not the most common thing, um, but that's a risk, I guess. It's right. You sort of, you sort of uh, put that in the bucket with that. And then, of course, you talk about how are they going to ease him in? Is he going to be ready? I personally think that the Giants are not sharp enough to ease him in. Even if, like the logic that the Giants are, are telling us 
is that they're sharp enough to know that they're going to protect their 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 asset. And I just don't necessarily, if they see sparks of, of Saquon Barkley, I really think they're just going to let him go. They're going to be like, holy cow, dude, yeah, go do your thing. Um, and the last thing I'll mention too with his surgery specifically is there are tiers and levels and severities of meniscus damage. And he had essentially what amounts to the a, a minimally involved meniscus. Did he have meniscus taken out of his body? Um, I'm rel- I'd have to go back and double check. I don't remember. I think they repaired it. I don't even know if they had to excise it. They actually just sewed it back together, according to my understanding, which is, a, which is great. Now, yeah. that reduces his long-term prognosis. Okay. But in the short term, that, that's actually a really good thing uh, because there wasn't as much damage. There obviously doesn't need to be as much healing. Um, so yeah, those are the sort of factors that you think of when you think about ACLs broadly, which will help us discuss some of the other guys, um, and why the, and we can talk about like functional demands and why wide receivers tend to come back at a higher clip than running backs, et cetera. But that's from a high level when we go that I I would recommend everybody keep in mind when we go into the other people we're going to talk about. Yeah. So real quick, Billy, the, the final question, I guess, like in short with Saquon is like right now he's going as the running back five in fantasy. Based off everything we already just talked about and all of that, the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever you want to call it, would you be willing to buy him where he's going in drafts right now at running back five based off everything that you said? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Perfect. Last time I looked, he was actually going RB7. Yeah, and then somebody tweeted man. yesterday that that they ranked him as their RB14, which is that's preposterous just... <laughs> to me. Like, okay, I can't guarantee he's going to be top five. I have yeah. a pretty good feeling he'll be able to get there with his projected targets. Sure. That's the other thing, too, the offensive portion, is that we know because of work that Scott Barrett and a lot of other fantasy analysts have done, is that a target is worth like 2.5 times more than a carry or whatever it is. And yeah. even if he doesn't get his full allotment of like 100 targets he did with Eli Manning, I mean, I think Mike Clay hasn't projected for 80 Joe Dolan hasn't projected for like 100. I think Graham Barfield hasn't projected for 70 or something like that. Yeah. Like if he gets those targets specifically, I mean, yeah, he's going to cash that. For sure. For sure. Going off Ace, like again, Saquon's obviously one thing, but what about a different position with someone that's less athletic like Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's another guy on the list that he also tore his ACL. So at this point, Joe Burrow is throwing in OTAs. He looked good in OTAs. But I guess the, the two questions I have for you is one, okay, with he's less athletic so can he still recover at the same rate and be ready to go for week one pretty close to fully himself and two what do you expect like i think from what you like with these recovering from these injuries obviously like if it is his rushing upside still there would you expect that to be capped or is that more of a mental thing that you can't answer whether or not that he'd be able to have that same rushing upside he normally would coming off this injury so the great questions so the thing about joe burrow and this is where i want to sort of put a a, a a mark, a, a bookmark on, okay, we talked about Saquon Barkley and athleticism. Now let's move on to what that means for other positions. Okay. Running backs have to be the most dynamic. They have to have the, they are most required to have reaction, right? They have to react to where the hole is. They have to react to defenders. They have to react to their offensive line holes breaking down. They have to react and step and cut on a dime. Quarterbacks, have to do so to a lesser extent. That's their functional demand. So even if Joe Burrow theoretically, let's say theoretically, doesn't reach full recovery in terms of strength and conditioning, athleticism, neuromuscular connection by month 11, he doesn't necessarily need to. But just like you mentioned, what are the implications of that? Okay, well, you think of it from a medical perspective. The implications of that are maybe he is going to be a little nervous, a little jumpy. 
Maybe he is going to throw away more passes. Maybe he is going to take more sacks. Maybe he can't get away. Maybe he doesn't feel like he, maybe he feels like his legs are in cement. That's potentially, that's a potential thing to happen. So how do they combat that? They combat that, well, the offensive scheme, quick slants, you know, three-step drops, dump offs to Joe Mixon. What are they going to do to help protect him? Because it is the mental aspect also matters. It's difficult to quantify, but a lot of times the, the mental aspect does impact how players play, how they're jumpy. I mean, if you had your knee absolutely destroyed like Joe Burrow did, you can't help but like have that in the back of your mind. And that's very valid. That's a totally quantifiable concern to have. So the other thing that I talk about with Joe Burrow is that even though his, his functional requirements are lesser than a running back, he still had a really massive tear. Yeah. ACL, MCL, meniscus, I would not be shocked if he had capsular damage. There was some reports of the PCL. That dude's knee was ravaged. And the, the more extensive the, the, the damage is, the longer these rehabs take, simply because you need more time on the front end to let those tissues heal before you can do the rehab. The thing about Joe Burrow is that he is going to be on opening day. It's going to be nine months and 10 days. So just like we talked about in the beginning, that is for a massive ACL surgery, massive ACL injury. That is a cutting it really close. That's about as bare minimum of time you could give for somebody with a massive rupture like that. In fact, in OTAs, they didn't let any running back be in the backfield with him. I don't know if any, a lot of people didn't yeah. catch on to that. They didn't let any of the running backs stay in the backfield because he was still in a big immobilizer. He was moving well. He looked like a guy who was doing great for six or seven months status post ACL, but he still was in a big immobilizer, like I mentioned, and they didn't let the running backs in his backfield. So they're still protecting. So that makes me nervous. And I wonder, and I'm just thinking out loud at this point, is he going to be confident enough to go out there? Is Cincinnati going to be comfortable to go, to go out there? And what is it going to look like? Probably. A few quick slants, probably a capped rushing ceiling, probably a few things that we're not going to be used to that seeing Joe Burrow do simply because it's going to be so quick. Now, that's all I'm projecting what I'm thinking. Doesn't mean it's going to happen, but that's what, sort of where my mind goes with Joe Burrow. Okay. I don't even know necessarily if he'll be ready for week one. Wow. We think he will. We think he will. And I'm not saying he won't be, but that is like nine months, 10 days for a massive rupture, even for a quarterback cutting it pretty close so i i guess in that in that question again cutting it pretty close and all of that not like obviously not a ton you're not saying don't draft the cincinnati Bengals in your fantasy drafts but would you say okay wherever people have him in their rankings maybe you should drop them one or two spots just in case he isn't fully ready or would i mean are, are you saying I and mean, that's what it sounds like to me but please correct me if i'm wrong are you saying okay no draft them where they're going he should be fine i think that's a tough i mean that's a tough medium yeah, I'd have to look at his ADP. I'm not. I don't he's, think he's, he's going Q, too crazy he's, high. He's QB 13, but I'm not more asking about like his wide receivers mm. that are going around. Wide receivers. Ah, I see. I see. 30. I see. Well, yeah. Let, let me put it this way, and maybe this answers the question. Again, I'm not guaranteeing anything. I'm not yeah. saying this is what's going to happen. I'm objectively stating, and I don't think any PT or surgeon would disagree with me. Nine months status post ACL that Joe Burrow had is cutting it very, very effing close. Okay. So what I'm saying here is, any way you slice it. Either, either because he doesn't play, either because he's apprehensive, either because the Bengals don't want to put their franchise quarterback out too early, even if he's fine. There are more avenues for Joe Mixon ceiling to be capped in the first month or so of the season than there are for him to like blow the doors off, right? Okay. There are more avenues for him to be capped than there are for him 
to succeed and the skill players to succeed. And that's what I think people need to consider. Okay. No, that's, that's great. Speaking of like the wide receivers and stuff like that, I like, I think the Odell Beckham is another one. And I think you mentioned just briefly that wide receivers return quickly from ECL, but again, Joe, I mean, Joe Burrow was around the middle of the season. Saquon Barkley was in week two, so he's had a little bit more time to recover. But Odell Beckham tore his ACL in week seven. So what's the chances that he – I mean, he is going to fully return? Because, again, here's the thing that I, I want to say. Odell Beckham is not someone that I wanted to draft a couple, a few weeks ago or a month ago because he hasn't produced in a couple of years. But I saw that Drew Ozenchuk, DFB encounter on Twitter, said that Odell Beckham, since he signed with the Browns, had over a 25% target share, which is really good. And then Matt Harmon in his reception perception said that in tone, I mean, sorry, Odell Beckham, after like hit the sports hernia surgery, kind of returned to form last year. He was actually awesome. So based off of those things, that gives me a lot of optimism. But with the ACL and how much time he's had to recover, what would you say that the chances are that he returns pretty close to where he was healthy last year at this point? Yeah, and that's the thing, too. We forget about Odell Beckham, but his athleticism, I don't want to say it's on par with Barkley's. But Odell Beckham was a pretty is a pretty athletic freak. Yeah. Um, so that's something we really have to consider. So he did have the ACL surgery, from my understanding, November 10th. He's also kind of going to be cutting it pretty close, unless it was an isolated ACL. All of the, these dudes is what I want to get across is that it's not a slam dunk that they're going to be back. It's not Saquon Barkley is closer to to a Sherlock for being ready for Week One because of the time frame, even though his functional demands are a little higher. But all these dudes who are like at the nine month ish mark, like they're cutting it pretty close. But Odell is another one of those dudes who's got this freak athleticism. He's super talented. And wide receivers have a step on the defender. Receivers know where they're going. If he doesn't fall into the 21% of uh, players off an ACL who have knee or, or hamstring complications, then he's he's set up pretty nicely. He's a little older. So he, you know, every step counts in the NFL. So I won't necessarily say that we will see ceiling Odell. But, I mean, you look at players like Jordy Nelson, Julian Edelman, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cub, Keenan Allen. It's possible for receivers to come back and break the mold of, oh, he's coming off an ACL. I would temper expectations for Odell simply because of his age and everything that's going on. Uh, again, I don't know if he'll hit a ceiling, but that doesn't mean he can't perform. Ultimately, it's hard for me to get on board with Odell because of that offense, though. Yeah. Like. Maybe if he was in the super high prolific offense, like the Chiefs offense, would I say, don't even worry about the ACL. But he's on like one of the most run heavy teams in the NFL, on top of the fact that maybe he's going to be capped in terms of athleticism in the first month or so of the season. So I, I, I don't know what his ADP is. Do you have, do you know what his ADP 28, is? 28 right now. I'd probably be on board with that. Okay. Good to know. All right, I'll take I'd probably that. be on board with that. The, the next guy that I want to talk about is is probably one of the most exciting to talk about, um, and that's Antonio Gibson. So obviously he had a grade two turf toe um, from what I understand. And again, there was a report that came out a couple months ago or a month or two ago now that said that he still hadn't even recovered three months after the season. But Ian Harditz um, for PFF last week had Antonio Gibson on his podcast, and he asked Antonio Gibson about it. And Antonio Gibson, I heard that. I did hear that podcast. (laughs) And he was like, I'm fine. Like, it's not going to be an issue. So, again, that's Antonio Gibson saying that. I know other people are like, okay, well, people say that all the time. No one's ever going to, Antonio Gibson's not going to be like, hey, sorry guys like i'm i'm effed for the season like there's no way i'm gonna be okay like i mean what would you say considering all that considering his recovery time and anything are you optimistic about antonio gibson's ability to get through the full season based on a pretty high workload that we're expecting him to get i'm cautiously 
optimistic he can get through the season. I mentioned this before, and 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 you brought up Matthew Betts earlier. Betts made a good point, and grade two injuries in like every body region vary so widely. You have like your grade ones where you're pretty certain like this is going to get better in like a week, maybe two. You have your grade threes where you're like, dude, you're done. This is either surgical or you're just done for the next two months. Then you have your grade twos that are like grade twos are, are the grayest, largest area that, that you could, you could ask for. And unfortunately for specifically for toe injuries, the, the literature shows that, well, you can rehab these or you can have surgery. If we want to avoid surgery, which you always want, even surgeons want to avoid surgery at all costs. Maybe we should avoid surgery. Let's rehab this. Unfortunately, it sounds like, and I'm projecting, I'm guessing, I don't actually know. It sounds like he fell into that gray area. We could do surgery. We could rehab it. And when, when you, when it's a coin toss like that, you always want to try rehab first. But now he's in no man's land because rehab didn't necessarily correct the problem. And he's still link has lingering pain. Like at this point, we're six months removed. That pain's not necessarily going to get any better. Um, will it get worse? That's also not necessarily the case, but you know, I think that he's going to be one of those dudes. I would be worried if, if he, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses a game or two because of this toe situation, or if he misses a whole week of practice and everybody's freaking out on Twitter for a whole week. But yeah, that's, I think that he's going to be okay. I don't necessarily expect this to turn into like a full blown rupture. I don't expect that to happen, okay. but it's probably something that he's going to be dealing with for most of the season. So, so let me get this, like, just to get understood. Like, I know like, I've, I did a, I saw a thing the other day or a few months ago that said the average running back in the NFL misses about 2.5 to 2.7 games a year. So if you said, okay, Hey Alex, Antonio Gibson's probably going to miss one or two games. Like that's it. And I can, I can understand that. And I can get behind that. I guess my question is a fantasy manager and someone that is in absolute love with Antonio Gibson. I see a ring on your finger. I wish I could have that ring and I could give it in tone to Antonio Gibson for this fantasy season. So I guess my question is, what are the chances that like he ruptures it and doesn't get through the whole season? Is that chance low to what I get? Like, like I don't, I hate assigning percentages. Okay. There's like a, there's like a five to 10% chance. That's totally subjective. That's fine. That's there's a very point. low chance that happens. And okay. when you say that 2.5 to 2.7, I feel like that's a, and this isn't your fault. I'm not yeah, blaming yeah. you. That's a very misleading statistic. Because imagine somebody like Joe Mixon or Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, those were very specific situations, yeah. and those feed into that whole the, thing. the average. Yeah, I've looked into that yeah. into that okay. research myself too. And basically, what you find with that research is that one or two guys skew that average so widely yeah. that it's kind of a deceptive. Um, it's kind of a deceptive uh, stat to use, okay. and it really depends. And that's where it sort of to wrap up maybe into a Gibson. It, it, yes. You can't predict injury. That's correct. What you can use to our to your advantage is information that we already have. We have the information that this toe injury didn't get better. We have that information. So then you plug in that stat that you cited, the yep. 2.5 to 2.7 games missed, and you can probably, you can more confidently say, well, if there are running backs who miss games this year in a very specific way, there's a there's a better chance than not that it's going to be for something that we know is already going on. Does okay. that make sense? I don't know yep. if that makes no, sense. No, that absolutely. That that totally makes sense. So, okay, that that's good to know. That I think the thing I was more just trying to say is just okay. Running backs might miss a game or two, and that's okay. Like we can't. Like I'm not going to not draft Antonio Gibson because he's probably going to miss two games because of a toe injury. I'm not worried about that. It's just more okay. Season long is it this something okay where like. This is going to be definitely worrisome, so I appreciate you clearing that up. And um, we might have to just end the podcast early so I can go to Kay Jewelers, 
maybe take my year of tuition, put it towards a ring, give it to him, and hopefully win a couple fantasy championships. There you go. There you go. A couple dollars back, you know, a little, you know, a little spare change, please, something like that. You know what? You get what I'm saying. Um, but real quick, before we move on, I think it is time to take a quick commercial break. We are back. And we are still talking more injuries. I think one of the most interesting players, I think, in the NFL, but also in injury-wise, just because uh, injury-prone, I don't like the term. Most people don't seem to like the term that are actual injury analysts, only people that sit in their basement and tweet a lot of words. Um, Those people seem to like to say the word injury-prone. But George Kittle is someone that's had a good amount of previous injuries. He had a pedal foot fracture last year in week eight. He also had a grade two MCL sprain last year. In 2019, he had a patella sprain and he had a torn labrum and he was able to play through it. I read a thing today that said that people in the NFL view George Kittle as one of the toughest players in the entire NFL. And that's like, that's great and wonderful, but injuries are injuries at the end of the day. So who cares about that? But I guess the thing I'd ask is with all those injuries that I just listed, is there any concern for George Kittle going into next year? You know, this is a difficult one for me. I would put George Kittle somewhere in like my my yellow light tier, like at fantasypoints.com. Okay. I'm going to put those tiers out this year again. He's someone that you you can't say is the perfect picture of health, right? Yeah. Specifically with the the cuboid fracture was really weird. Those are very, very uncommon injuries, yeah. at least from what I've seen and the data I've seen. Those are very odd, odd fractures, um, especially in the NFL. The other thing is he's had the shoulder dislocation, the labrum issue. We know he didn't have uh, surgery for it. There's actually about a 40 to 50% re-dislocation rate. Time helps, rehab helps, but that's something you still have to consider. It's the reason that I I'm, I think Dalvin Cook is the highest risk first-round running back on the board uh, for those same reasons. But yeah, he's also a guy, you flip it, in when you look at the tight ends the landscape, how do you fade him, yeah. right? Even if you get five healthy games from George Kittle, it's probably what he probably won you that week two to three times. Exactly. Right. So he's really difficult to peg, but he also hasn't missed as many as much time as most people uh, uh, think he has. I'm pretty sure, relatively certain, it's only a handful of games over the last before before 2020. Yeah. Yep, it was only a handful of games. Yep, that's it. Um, and that yeah, that that foot fracture shouldn't occur. Those are really common among younger ca- uh, pass catching players are those foot fractures and 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 they should recover well from that so that's a long-winded way to say yes george kittle has a history with connective tissue dysfunction also i shouldn't i'm not going to be the one to tell you to fade george kittle i'm I'm not i'm not trying to get you know hate tweeted anything like that (laughs) for sure again there's there's only certain players i think the biggest thing that we're asking here is just okay like, obviously, there's concerns with every player. Every player could get injured, obviously. It's just the ones, okay, this guy is really concerning, like a James Conner last year or something like that, where you're, okay, the chances that he makes through a season are pretty low. Speaking of the foot injuries, though, with George Kittle, what about Calvin Ridley? So I'm, I'm asking this because I heard on a podcast, I think it was actually Mike Taglier, that said, okay, he avoids players that have any kind of foot surgery or foot injuries before. I mean, obviously this isn't like a list Frank fracture or something like that yet. Dude, yeah. You heard nah. that. You heard that. Nah. I know. Did say he's going to fade him. No, 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 no. I, it oh. was, he didn't say that. So I just wanted to say list, list Frank fracture. So I sounded like I knew something about injuries. <laughs> that was, that was more the point of that. But he said that like in general with foot surgeries and stuff, that's when he fades people. He didn't say that about Calvin Ridley, but I figured it's worth asking. It was a minor cleanup surgery, but this is a guy that's still going as a top five wide receiver going at wide receiver four right now. Is there any concern at all with his past ankle issues and then him having a minor foot cleanup surgery this year? No. Okay. There aren't any big issues. I mean, obviously if you're, you know, if you're splitting hairs, 
let's say, who do you think is, you tell me, who do you think is a comparable wide receiver? Of Calvin Ridley? In, in like the real NFL or like in draft? In fantasy. Who is a comparable fantasy wide receiver? Stefan Diggs. Is that a... Okay. If you're choosing between Stefan Diggs and Calvin Ridley and you really, really want an objective way to do it, okay. choose Stefan Diggs. The guy behind you who's going to take, or the guy, the girl behind you is going to take Calvin Ridley, probably in just as good of a position. Okay. Um, he had this arthroscopic anterior ankle decompression. What I think, I think, is what it is. I can never know for sure, right? HIPAA, right? Yeah. Um, those are typically they take about four to eight weeks to come back. Uh, the average, the average is about eight. This is totally the off season. It's not a major issue in the short term, but it is something you want to keep an eye on in the long term as a dynasty player. Um, it wasn't a Jones fracture. It wasn't a tightrope fracture. wasn't a list rank, anything like that. Um, it was, it was very much likely just a cleanup since he had, he has had his, a history of ankle and foot injuries. So he, he would fall in a very similar tier as George Kittle. I would fade him just like I would with like Stefan, the Stefan Diggs example we gave, if you really okay. wanted to, but I'm not going to outright tell you to fade him. Although he has had his, his history of foot and ankle issues specifically. And there's nothing specific that I have against ankle foot injury specifically it just happens to be his specific pattern of of issues okay that totally makes sense so you wouldn't you wouldn't really fade him based on past stuff like again it's like the stefan diggs example where okay right. you wanna, yeah you take it would be a tiebreaker thing okay that's fair a tiebreaker thing i like that okay but what about julio jones julio jones is one of the ones that i feel like i just get upset about you know i don't get upset about a lot of things but you know, like, you know, like you and you like stomp your feet when you're watching a game. I don't yell during games. I might stomp a little bit. Julio Jones is like a stomp thing where it's okay. He's missed six games over the previous four years. He's played at least 14 games in every single season since like 2014. I mean, he's just absolutely ridiculous. And then there's the people that, okay, he had a grade one hamstring last year. And this guy never, ever seems to practice and still does fine. He's age 32. All that being said, do you have any concern? I mean, okay, he's going as wide receiver 18 right now which is just baffling to me. So unless you're like, Alex, do not draft Julio Jones because he's a big injury concern. I'm buying him all day at that price. Had any concern with Julio Jones? Or are you like, this guy's a menace in a, the best way possible? He's just a menace to society. You got to run that <laughs> off. You got to ride that, that okay. generational talent into the sunset, man. The The 2020 year was weird. Uh, I have over on my Twitter at FB Injury Doc, I talked about how there was a pretty big spike in soft tissue injuries, which was expected. Um, and, and Julio Jones is one of those dudes who suffered from that specific issue. They didn't have training camp. Their workloads were altered. They were in a totally different situation. When you're a finely tuned athlete, like a machine, the way Julio is, and your body is, is for the last however many years, 10 plus years, been doing the same stuff. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you say, Hey, there's a worldwide pandemic. You can't go to the training facility. Yeah. Um, the body's going to go out of whack. And that's essentially what the literature shows us too. There's a three to six times increase in soft tissue rates. Uh, injury rates if you have a big spike or dip in workloads and that, i think that's what we saw okay and i expect him to get over it this year it doesn't mean that he will he's older and once you have a history of hamstring strains they can recur but yeah man i somebody in the fantasy points discord messaged me and said that they they he fell like the fifth round in a best ball and i was like I in a best ball <laughs> so yeah man you gotta you gotta you gotta 
you really got to scoop him up there. Okay. And again, maybe maybe this soft tissue, he got a little leg COVID and that that messed with his thing. Like not actual COVID, just like in his legs and that just <laughs> leg you know, COVID. And I like yeah, that. it took yeah. him a it takes him a couple months to get over it, and then he returns right. to form. That's exactly how it goes. Um, the next guy is one of the most intriguing in guys when it comes to injuries. You probably talked about this guy. I mean, to your therapist, to your mom, to probably everybody, maybe your dog, who knows? Will Fuller is just one of those guys that uh. is always always injured, always something like that. So the thing I want to ask you less about the injuries and more about the PED kind of thing, like I guess two questions. One, with the PED stuff, does that concern you? It's a more of a way to keep away injuries. Is that just like some freak thing? And then two, he's had a lot of soft tissue injuries and I like the – the warriors on Twitter that love to talk about soft tissue injuries. Is that a thing one? And is that a thing for Will Fuller where the soft tissue injuries concern you going forward? This is the one of the most complex dudes I've had to break down since I started okay. doing this a couple right. years so ago. Should I, should I sit down or maybe make no, I'll try to be brief. Okay. I know I've been rambling, rambling, rambling. Okay. Here's the deal. Will Fuller played all 13 games, his juniors. I think it was whatever sophomore junior year. I don't remember the last two years. He was at Notre Dame. He played all 13 games. We know that the number one predictor for future injury is previous injury. He was not injured in college. Mm. It was weird that he got to the NFL and all of a sudden he's injured. He never had soft tissue injuries before. So, yes, there is sort of a pattern with soft tissue injuries. You look at somebody like uh, Jamison Crowder, he's had soft tissue injuries his whole career, plagued by them. And when you look at Will Fuller, there's no reason – there was no reason for us to believe he was going to be – have all these injuries. He had the ACL tear. That was interesting. Um, the year after that – Workloads get thrown off. Okay, he had more soft tissue injuries. This year, I understand the PED stuff. In theory, could he like take HGH and it helped you know heal an injury? Yes, in theory, theoretically, that could be the case. There are also a lot of other things on that banned substance list that could have been uh, the reason that he failed. There, none, a lot of it. I would, I, a majority of it doesn't have any legitimate evidence, like scientific evidence behind it, that it would help him. Uh, for that reason. He also talked about changing his strength and conditioning regimen. He also talked about uh, changing his running mechanics. Like he did all, there are too many confounding factors to say like he stayed healthy simply because of the PEDs. So this is, this is it though. If he can't do it this year, I'm out, but I'm in on Will Fuller one more time. Okay. Again, the light, the light is still on. Doesn't matter how dim it is. The light is still on. But one thing before we move on to our final guy, and I think one of my favorite guys that's really interesting this year, I just want to say to people listening to the podcast, if Edwin is wrong, it's not my fault. Other people like him, so that's I right. had to have him on my podcast. Right, I'm just yeah. putting it out there. I'm not a doctor, and I already that's said right, that. Right. So Blame it on me, yeah. man. <laughs> Blame it on you. Well, hey, here's the thing. You said you don't take yourself too seriously. You have a real job. And if I need, if this is a job for me someday, I need to blame it on you because you're more worried about your patients and I'm, I'm more worried about my Twitter mentions. So I think that's just, I think it's a fair way to do it. I think we're friends now, so we can, we can agree, right. agree on that. And again, when you're making the big bucks doing residency and all that and taking care of stuffy noses and everything like that, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I'm not taking care of stuffy noses at all. <laughs> I will correct you there. Nerve muscle tendon <laughs> ligament. No stuffy noses okay. for me. So, not that kind of doctor. So if no, you got a, if you got a weird rash, go see another doctor. <laughs> but what if someone has like a torn nose ligament that's making their nose run? Do you help them like rehab it with like? Some... I hate to break it to you. There are no ligaments in the nose. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to put you on blast. I know, that I know. Way. it's all, all cartilage. <laughs> no, it's all good. I, I deserve to be put on blast as long as other people will put you on blast as well. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Well, let's get I'm sorry. Let's get into our final guy. <laughs> One of the most interesting for fantasy. That's Michael Thomas. He's the current wide receiver nine in fantasy. The former number one wide receiver, both in fantasy and your hearts. He suffered from a high ankle sprain last year. And the thing that 
concerns me as someone that doesn't know much is the fact that he's had multiple surgeries this offseason and this new thing called a, a deltoid ligament injury in January. And I don't know what a deltoid is, but when I see big words that I don't know an injury next to it, it concerns me a little bit. So you being the expert that you are, being a good friend of mine, trying to give me the best advice that I can possibly get. How confident are you that Michael Thomas returns to form this year? Michael Thomas is falling in the third and fourth round of drafts. You've got to be from a different planet if you're letting him fall to the third or fourth round. Okay. There's a study There's a study on NFL players by uh, Dr. Andrew Sue and colleagues. They looked at this specific issue. It was a superficial deltoid complex avulsion and potential fracture. I don't know if Michael Thomas had a fracture. The chances are he probably had a fracture too. After they did the surgery, they found that players, NFL players were cutting after seven months, well, six months actually after surgery, and there were no complications after the surgery itself. Now, it can get tricky, right? There's no, It's not the only thing under the sun to tell us that he's going to perform, but given Michael Thomas's talent, his athleticism, everything we know about him, the third round is just not not okay. The third round is not okay. I would take him. I'll scoop him up everywhere I can find him. I have no issues with Michael Thomas. The weird thing is that he was going as the first wide receiver off the board last year. And then he had an injury. He played on a torn deltoid ligament, one of the strong, the strongest ligament in your body, the broadest ligament in your body. And people are, are hating on him for that, man. You got, you got to scoop that up. You got to scoop him up. It's crazy. It's crazy. Don't forget Christian McCaffrey's injury prone because he missed games for the first time in his career. No, again, it's just right. it's baffling right. to me. It drives me crazy. Well, we have a little extra time. And one of the things I just wanted to bring up real quick, if we can, um, is Dalvin Cook. I think you you said something, and maybe I caught it just through the breath of your whisper or something like that, that Dalvin Cook is one of the biggest risks in round one. Uh, could you talk about that? And where would you like draft Dalvin Cook at this point in the draft based on your concern? Dalvin Cook is objectively, guys – there are two big studies, and I'll, I'll send them okay. to you if I can find them. There are studies done on NCAA football players and, and, and NFL players. Both studies found between that 40 and 50% re-dislocation rate for players who have had previous shoulder dislocations. And it just, it just tends to recur. It's just one of those injuries that doesn't stop happening. For Dalvin Cook, it did stop happening because he was able to play another 16 games. It wasn't a problem. But Dalvin Cook has had three or four dislocations since high school. I was oh, able wow. to count in 2019 when it happened. Uh, that it was, yeah, dating back to high school, he's had three or four of these issues. He's had surgery at least once on one of the shoulders, but he is objectively at a risk. And the higher the exposures, the more exposures he has, aka NFL games, the higher that risk becomes. So it's actually the inverse of what we think, right? If he has done the rehab, but he's continuing to have these issues, he's continuing to have these these dislocations without surgery, the, the, the more he does it, the more likely it is to actually recur. Now, I can't guarantee that. I'm not going to tell you, oh, it's going to dis- re-dislocate. But if we're talking about the top tier of running backs, he would be the last on my list to draft, okay. depending on the context, right? I can't say he's going to be the last one, but I can tell you from an injury management perspective, if you're looking to fade any top running back, Dalvin Cook is the one to fade. If you can get one who you believe is the most uh, is is close to his caliber of, of talent. Okay. No, that's, that's good to know. That's really interesting. Before we get out of here, I have to ask you my final question of the day that is on our show sheet. What is your 2021 flag plant, your boldest prediction that you absolutely believe in? doesn't have to be injury related. It can be anything related that in your head, when you go to sleep at night, this is the player that you're dreaming about. This is the player that your wife is looking over at you smiling and you're like, she's like, who is he thinking about? Minus Jalen Hurts or Deontay Johnson. Who is yours? 
Oh man, you're really putting me on the spot here. I saw that on the show sheet and I was trying to think of, you know, honestly, I know I talked for like 13 minutes on Saquon Barkley. Most people know my stance on him. I think he's going to finish as a top five running back, but surprisingly, I'm going to give you a plot twist here. Let's do it. I think Will Fuller stays healthy this year. If everything's true that I know about Will Fuller, if, if everything lines up the way that I think it can, given his pedigree and his history, I think his history of staying healthy outweighs his history of being injured. I'm going to say, Will Fuller will not miss more than, I don't know, two games this year. Ooh. And I'm probably going to come back and bite my words. I'm okay. going to eat my words. Have you ever seen the Purge movies? Yeah, I've seen like okay. bits you, of so you, you know what they are. I, I mm-hmm. think for the people that don't, I mean, I mean, I don't care if you don't know. I think you should probably get some like Purge protection on your mentions, especially after that <laughs> Will Fuller take. I love it. I hope you're right. He's someone I'm going to be drafting a lot because, I mean, he was like the wide receiver eight last year before he got hurt. Absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. Obviously, Tua Tagovailoa, Tungovailoa, as we know, is not exactly Deshaun Watson yet. Um, but again, we'll see. I think Will Fuller is going to be an absolute value in drafts if he stays healthy. I hope you're right. I love that flag plant. That is a great flag plant. And again, like I said, get some purge protection. On you. <laughs> get some purge protection on those mentions <laughs> just in case. But either way, I will be happy to supply it to you. But Edwin, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast. It was absolutely phenomenal to have you. Is there anything that you want to plug or anything that you want to be working on that you want the listeners to know before we get out of here? Yeah, go to uh, Twitter at FB Injury Doc and subscribe to my podcast, the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast. If you would, please, I need to show that more love lately. I haven't been giving it as much love and all my written content over at fantasypoints.com. Alex, I appreciate you, man. This was fun. Thanks for having me on. No, absolutely. It was great to have you. And for those listening, please subscribe to his podcast. Don't ever listen to mine again. His podcast is better. I would highly recommend listening to this. I'm just kidding. But it was wonderful to have you, and I really appreciate it. And people, thank you so much for listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast today. I would really appreciate it if you left some feedback or review. It's the only way that we get better at the end of the day. Good feedback, bad feedback, doesn't matter. Even if you hate me, please tell me because I want to fix it. I want to look myself in the mirror every single day and tell me that people hate me, and then I'll fix it. That's what we do. Just like an injury, I'll go to hate rehab and it'll be a whole thing. And I'm so excited for it. But nonetheless, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.